Pro football player Travis Kelsey is pressed for time during the football season. So he does two things at once. Whether it's grilling while mowing. Two things at once! Or getting this season's updated COVID-19 shot at the same visit as his flu shot. Two things at once. You can be like Travis and ask your pharmacist about getting this season's COVID-19 shot at the same visit as your flu shot, if you're due for both, as recommended by the CDC. Learn more and schedule at VaxAssist.com. Sponsored by Pfizer. What's it going to be today? Skyline three-way or cheese conies? Hmm, that's a tough one. I know. Give me a Skyline three-way and cheese conies. Problem solved. Feeling good. It's Skyline time. Welcome back to another edition of the Going Deep Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Misery, and we're here with Mike Bunt. We're going to be talking about Josh Allen's injury. We're going to be talking about the Vikings game. We have a lot of cool nuggets and news to talk about. Maybe a live giveaway. Stay tuned. Stay with us. We'll be right with you. Josh Allen. Look at my gut. Josh Allen. Looking deep. Going deep. me talking about the bills what else would you rather be doing we're hoping to add a, a new dimension to the cover one network right now i just want to talk about this championship level i've never had a championship caliber team to talk about i want to focus more on the storylines each week what are the big stories going on with the bills what are uh thoughts commentary how do these things impact buffalo deep drop Throw and it is pulled in for the touchdown. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to this great edition of the Going Deep podcast. Here with Mike Bunn, as always, Kevin Masseri. Having to talk injuries, Mike. We have to talk about a matchup. We have to talk about a game that just happened. There's just, there's just too much to going on. We have an amazing live giveaway that we want to talk about for someone to meet Taryn Johnson and Tyler Bass, as well as a few autographs, just a plethora of topics to start with Mike first and foremost. So how are you doing today? I'm doing all right. A little preoccupied. Uh, I went from having a great sports week a couple of weeks ago to having a torturous sports weekend. Uh, the last three days, the Sabres have lost two in a row. The Bills lost the game. They were double-digit favorites. Josh Allen gets hurt. And then my Ohio Bobcats go from taking a lead with 1.4 seconds left to losing a buzzer beater in their first game of the season yesterday in college basketball. So I'm a little bit uh, off the rocker right now, but I think this is going to be some good therapy the next hour, hour and 15 minutes talking Bills football. Uh, And uh, I think I'm going to get back on track after this. Yeah, that's that's the only hope. Ohio has a big game today in football against Miami of Ohio, so we'll see what that looks like. The Sabres have a big game today as well. So Mike Mike has a lot on the line here after the show, so make sure we all keep Mike occupied and sane as we go through this tonight edition. Tonight could be great, or tonight could be horrible, so we will I see. Mean, hopefully we turn that luck upside down. I wanted to recap the Jets game real quick, Mike. I don't want to spend a ton of time on it. You know, we've, we've There's been other great shows here at the Cover One Podcast Network talking about the game releasing film throughout the week on different plays that we see 
uh, from all of the great content creators here on the on the network. If you wouldn't mind, smash that like button. It means a ton to us. It helps us bring amazing content to you always and keeps us going. So just at the top, Mike, um, you have to talk about the inability to finish, the inability to uh, finish in the red zone specifically. It looks like the Bills are struggling to get the tight end involved. Some of the tight end concepts, including the interception to start the game, came on a, on a, on a tight end that just just the concept wasn't there. The Jets read it, although James Cook leaked out the backside on what looked to be a wide-open touchdown on the other side of the field. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, the play didn't go there uh, to start the game. It looked like the Bills had it going early with going right after Sauce Gardner, which was, to me, the right call. I wanted to see that early and often. From there, you saw a couple of mishaps by Gabriel Davis. To me, he dropped one where he tried to clamp the ball in the middle of the field on a big play. He's got to make that play at the end of the game. I don't think it was OPI. I don't think it was DPI. I'm not going to sit here. I'm the first to talk about some of that stuff, Mike. Don't care either way. I do care about not calling that holding, though. But I'm, I'm going to say that needed, you didn't call a single holding all day. You need to keep the flag in your pocket, just like you did on the end of the game play. All that aside, Gabriel Davis catches the ball. Mike, he would have the ball at the 15-yard line, probably at least steps out of bounds and or goes in. Sauce Gardner was either going to make the play or he was going to get burnt for a touchdown. Sauce Gardner was beat on that play. Uh, the play didn't end up happening, uh, but that was that was pretty good you know, recovery by Sauce Gardner to end the game. He almost got burned on a 70-yard touch, a 70-yard pass play uh, to, to put his team at, at, at a fault. Josh Allen made every uh, – that was the right throw. That was the right read. It was a dime – uh, by all accounts, that could have gone a little bit differently. That on top of another turnover uh, where Gabe Davis probably ran the wrong route, or I guess Josh could have called the wrong. It, it just didn't look right uh, from an offensive standpoint. So you had all those offensive miscues. The defense will tell you they don't mind the Jets running the ball a little bit. They were in some good gap fits. They didn't tackle particularly well. Some good plays by Terrell Bernard and really one leaky Jaquan Johnson game uh, that we saw against the Dolphins where the Dolphins didn't really have the ball very much. Uh, but Jaquan Johnson keeps putting his name up in, 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 in focal point for the wrong reasons, uh, as not the guy to take the next step. DeMar Hamlin has Jaquan Johnson has not. What's your opinion on, I guess, all those topics, Mike? Yeah, that's a lot. And, um, it was just a poor performance all around, uh, by the bills. Obviously the, the defense was getting run over, but I don't want to go, um, super hard on, on the defense. Obviously Jaquan Johnson playing, a, a tremendous downgrade from uh, Jordan Poyer. And it, and it was evident. Uh, um, they, they struggled against the run. Gap integrity was, was off. And um, the Jets were able to kill a lot of clock uh, as, as a result. And we actually had an argument after the game. Um, mm -hmm. Time of possession doesn't win or lose games, but it does have an impact when you're playing a team that's able to kill clock against uh, an offense like the Bills, you assume with, with the Bills you get enough possessions that they're going to eventually uh, right things and, and get going. And uh, the the drive at the, the end of the game to to milk it under two minutes was just devastating for uh, for the Bills. And, they got to get off the field there. Yeah, and then offensively, just uh, uh, let's just call it what it was, a, a putrid effort. It was just a bad offensive uh, day all around. And – it's been that way for the last six quarters going back to halftime after halftime against the Green Bay Packers. And uh, there's a lot of factors that go into it. Uh, you can start with the offensive line. just not protecting Josh at all. Uh, and a lot of times Josh can make up for it. 
Uh, Sunday was not one of those days. Uh, the Jets have an elite defense. You have to give them credit. I know they they took advantage of a lot of backup quarterbacks early in the year, but but they're playing at an elite level. They're doing some things similar to what the Bills do d- defensively at times, getting pressure out of that front four, playing coverage, and they got the guys in their secondary to to really match up well. And so you have the pressure, and then you have Josh not seeing the field that well. Just being just being honest, he did not see the field well on on Sunday. The first interception, he admitted, defensive end was in his face, did not see uh, the corner covering Dawson Knox. Um, miscommunication on the second one, but there could have been a couple other uh, interceptable balls. There was a drop um, at one point in the game. He had two fumbles where he let the ball go in the ground. It just was not uh, Josh's day. And uh, it's one of those things where the Bills almost had to play their worst football just to barely lose on the road um, to a divisional opponent right now. Uh, similar instance to Miami. You get the ball back. Um, you have under two minutes left. Chance to tie or, tie or win the game. And both times uh, the Bills have fallen short. And, and that's the thing that I, I, I find the most frustrating is I will argue with anybody that, that Josh Allen is just as good as Patrick Mahomes. But in these situations, and, and I'm not saying he's not capable of doing it because we've seen Josh against Kansas City and we've seen Josh in, in other several big moments do it. But so far, these two losses this year were, were games where Josh, I, I would have expected him to make a play and at least get a field goal out of it. And the offense has fallen short. Uh, both times and um, it, more than off, more often than not, I'm going to trust the offense, but I was, I was disappointed and we'll get to the injury later, but the, the bills offense cost them the game. It, it, as simple as that, the defense didn't play well, but the bills offense is what cost them the game. Now there's many points I want to discuss about that. The first one being Mahomes literally had the ball for like 50 minutes against Tennessee, 50 minutes. Um, that's more than double the time that, it, that that Josh Allen had the ball. Time of possession. If you're only going to count drives, literally you flip drives every play. Outside of something strange, and I'm not even sure what that's fun, like special teams fumbles, I'm not sure where drives wouldn't fairly be one, plus one, minus one, one way or the other. So if you're going to simplify it, drives are the only thing that matter. Possessions, not really sure what we're talking about here. Um, no drives are created equal. Two of the Bills drives were with 90 seconds or less of those of the drives that they had it's not created and, and both times potentially could have been field goal opportunities definitely in the first half Tyler Bass needs to make that kick um in a situation to where the other kicker had just made a similar field goal Tyler then had a nice kick to um end uh in the in, in the the later portions of the game but the possessions to me are fine like if that's all we're going to count but but there's not created equal. You can't run your entire playbook. It is it is not the same thing when you have limited time. Yeah, getting the ball um, back with one under 140, no timeouts is not the same. And then having a drive that with 10 minute drive 35 seconds left and a half is not the same either. And yeah, you know what? I understand what the people saying that time of possession doesn't uh, determine winning and losing. It it doesn't from the standpoint that oh, if you get the ball for 40 minutes, you're gonna win the game. And, but I think when people say time of the possession doesn't matter at all, it is such an oversimplification. And it's analytics people that are trying to basically be know-it-alls and, and holier-than-thou people. Because it time of possession plays into a fact with situational football. They'll argue, 
well, you have the same amount of drives. It's situations. Defense needs to get a stop. But where the time of possession matters is the Bills didn't have the same opportunities in their their possessions. Like you said, they didn't have three minutes to go down the field to try to do something because that was taken away from them. And credit to the Jets. They, they played they played a great football game. They, yeah, I mean, they pulled out all the stops, Mike. A fake punt on, on, on fourth down one. I thought we should have been a little bit more prepared for. Um, you know, Mahomes was given time after time after time against a quarterback who literally couldn't see the field at all in Malik Willis. They were not making right play calls. They didn't throw to the receiver at all. So Mahomes had every chance to come back. He looked pretty poor uh, for the majority of that game, but got to throw like 70, like 65 passes. It's just an, a different scenario, um, you know, Josh Allen literally did it against Mahomes a few weeks ago, and he did it against Baltimore a few weeks prior to that. Those are some pretty big competition factors. I don't think there's any issue. Two and two in one score games is about right. That's a regression from 2020, but it's a progression from 2021 where they couldn't get out of their own way in one score games. And this is probably what it's going to be. You're not going to win every single one score game where it's not sustainable. It's just like to interceptions. That's it's not it's not sustainable that your team's going to win based on turnovers, as we see with Cincinnati hovering around 500, they're not getting those one possession wins. They're not getting those turnovers. They're 500. Uh, and you need to be better than that. You need to, to, to win with, in spite of turnovers. So for me, it's a matter of, I don't see an issue in terms of long-term issue. I saw the Jets pulling out all the stops. They calculated, uh, they made the right play call when Saran Neal had to go in for one play. Uh, gets absolutely toasted against Garrett Wilson. I mean, that's, that's, that's a part of the drive that the Bills were not expecting to have to deal with. You know, you had on top of that, you had some DBs in and out of the lineups based on short term injuries. Uh, that's what we started to see in Miami when players are coming in and out of the lineup consistently based on even just small things. It just hurts you all around. And on, on top of it, the ineffectiveness of the pass game on the offensive side of the ball was a big issue. It was ineffective. The play calls weren't great. The offensive line wasn't good. It's the same game as Jacksonville to me. It's all very similar. There's a little bit more scoring. Isn't that slightly concerning to you that that's the same game as what? I just don't think you can replicate it. That's my. That's why it's not. Here's my thing. Like, so you're gonna have bad days in the NFL. No one is perfect. Kansas City lost to the Colts earlier this year. They could have easily lost to Tennessee the other day. Not a quarterback. So yeah, even the greats like Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, you're gonna have bad days. What's a little concerning to me is that obviously 15 and 2, 14, 3, it's it's a lot – it's not easy to to win that many games over the course of the season. But we entered this year with the thought process that the Bills were going to have an easier road to the one seed because they had a far inferior division while Kansas City had a far far more difficult uh, divisional games in front of them. It's looking the opposite of that at this moment. So, yes, the Bills have the tiebreaker over Kansas City, but I think there's a good chance this Chiefs team could win 14 games. If they go 14-3, and three, the Bills are going to have to play flawless football down the stretch. That means when it gets to these divisional games, you're not going to be able to drop two more games, three more games, and, and get that one seed. And I know the one seed home field advantage, it's not – the end-all, be-all, this Bills team could go on the road and, and beat anybody. But it, I think it's such an advantage, especially for, for Buffalo. I, I, I know that uh, when it comes to the weather, it's not 
what we talk about when we talk about the 90s Bills, but I think it is difficult for some teams like a Miami, like some of these other Southern teams to come up to Buffalo in the wintertime and, and, and contending games in January. I do think it's vital for the Bills to get a one seed this year, and it's shaping up to be a little bit more difficult than what I thought. And just I do have some concerns when, when Josh has back-to-back games where he's – He's making passes that you're just shaking your head. I don't – I think when Josh is at his best, he's the best quarterback in the world. But I – sometimes I, I just shake my head. I When Josh is off, he he can be off quite a bit. And it's not a long-term concern, but I, I am more worried about him on a week-to-week basis than I would be a Patrick Mahomes. I think you see the covering up of uh, warts of the offensive coordinator. I think you see some warts of the receiver room and warts of the offensive line that Josh takes on the shoulders. I'm not, unless Josh had a complete misread, Gabe Davis ran the wrong route on the second interception. There's no doubt about it to me. Like it, it, unless they just had a, a miscommunication somewhere, he ran the wrong route. He didn't, he, he makes some interesting decisions at times. That wasn't one of them. That was one where he thought Gabe Davis was going to be there. Uh, that, that, that he didn't just throw to sauce Gardner there. It wasn't like sauce made a huge play on the sideline, jumped up over Gabe Davis or something. And he threw a reckless pass. I mean, he literally had a different read, uh, than, than what happened on the field. We don't know. Josh is going to say it's him. Um, but behind closed doors, I'm sure there's discussions about, Hey man, you're supposed to, you're, that's an in route there. We need you to adjust. Um, you know, we, we weren't going to throw that to the outside in that situation. I don't believe, I think you see the warts are the offensive line was horrible. I mean, it was, it was pathetic. It was a really bad performance. The interior struggling mightily. Basically, I think Diggs caught that ball, but that that holding, like, Falcons doesn't yeah, need to I, do I that. I didn't call that in that situation. I agree that's not a hold, but you don't need to do that. Josh Allen gets that throw off. It wasn't like he was beat terribly around the edge and he had to tackle him. He pancakes him to the ground, and one he just needs to anchor and, and, and hold his ground um, because you can't you, even you risk a hold. that catch the whole game is, is different. You, you're All playing bounds with 90 seconds, Mike. You go to win. You go and, down to win. That's what's um, I, 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 you just can't make that holding call there. You can't make that holding call there. I also don't agree you can call DPI or OPI on the Davis play either, which they didn't, which is fine. You didn't call a single penalty outside of some like after the in some pre-snaps. Those stuff. refs would have gotten destroyed if they called a pass interference on the, the last the last bomb. There's no way they could call a penalty there. I know some Bills fans are like, there's tugging. It's the same reason you don't call a, a pass interference on a Hail Mary. It's, right. it's a miracle play, low percentage. You but I don't think you can call holding there either. It's yeah. the same thing. If you're going to call your first holding of the day there, then I need you to go back and, and call holding because yeah, you didn't call problem. it either way. Yeah. You, you can't call holding on the same drive. Now, if that holding was in the first quarter, fine. Um, but you can't call holding there in that situation. It was a great anchor and, and, and pancake, essentially. It looked like he tackled him, but he just buried him. I don't like the call. I don't think you can make that call. Um, and... It absolutely is a game-changing call. They still should have. They still had an opportunity, though. With, with this Bills team, first and 20, yes, I know you're stuck. Uh, back, you made a great play to Davis, through. who's dancing around, though. You still, have a minute, you still have a minute 30, though. I, I understand. Very, very difficult situation. But it's something where you still expect Josh Allen to, to get yourself out of it and, and still at least set up. Uh, a field goal. They they hit what was it? Davis a play later for almost so, twenty yards. So they were set up. Then you have the the play where where Josh, Josh gets injured later on and um, the low throw and then you got to go deep. There were still situations where the Bills can make plays. The, what's concerning to me right now is 
No one is stepping up on this offense besides Stephon Diggs. Diggs is playing phenomenal. Where is Davis outside of a few vertical routes where he's getting beyond people? There is no slot presence. I know we all love Isaiah McKenzie, the person, but the Bills don't have a slot receiver right now. It really sucks that Jamison Crowder is hurt because even though he did not look good in camp and early in the season, he would be seeing the field right now. He would make a difference on this team. Khalil Shakir is not even seeing the field a significant amount of snaps, which shows the Bills do not have a high level of confidence in the rookie yet. Dawson Knox is invisible in the passing game. Uh, you're, you're barely even seeing him get targeted. The Jets' biggest weakness in their pass defense heading into Sunday was in the middle of the field. That's been Josh's biggest weakness so far this season, which is a reverse from, from recent years. I do think there's some issues right now with the with the offense. I, I think there's problems. Uh, and is it something that can't be fixed? No, I, I think they'll figure things out. But I do think there's some warts uh, showing with this offense right now. The running game is not consistent enough. Um, there's really not enough um, receivers stepping up. And with the offensive line playing as weak as they did on Sunday, it really forced Josh into – what you saw his rookie in second year in the league where he was trying to play hero ball uh, plenty of times taking the snap instantly trying to see if he needed a run. And even uh, another observation, I think sometimes in the past things have come so easy for this bills offense that they have certain play calls where Josh is just assuming I'm going to have this guy right here. And those plays aren't happening. There was a, a play action bootleg to the right where Jets player was able to make a sack in the backfield where nine out of 10 times, Josh probably has an easy, easy reception, easy, easy pass to throw. So it's easy to make your home holiday ready with help from right rug flooring. Choose from thousands of styles, including carpet, luxury vinyl, hardwood, laminate, and tile. Special financing is available with approved credit. Our experts will bring the store to your door with convenient free in-home shopping. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com. Make your guests feel right at home with gorgeous new floors from Right Rug Flooring. Right here, right now. Life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance because you'll feel protected no matter how the wind blows. All so you can keep enjoying the home of your dreams. And our expert agents can help you save up to 23% when you bundle home with auto. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. I do think they've kind of gotten figured out for a little bit, but... Yeah, they blitzed, what, a career low. Um, so they're... You know, each team's different. Some teams are putting on film like Miami, go after them every play. Others are doing in a career low blitz percentage and it worked because the offensive line was poor. You kind of saw and why it's why I always mention it's similar because that was similar against Jacksonville to where the front four dominated the Bills offensive line. And that's what it was. The Bills started to to struggle a little bit there and then they figured it out. You see the adjustments come now. The Jets put everything on tape on game one at home. So did Miami. So why I'm not why I'm comfortable is because there is some gamesmanship, Mike. As much as we don't want to admit it, 
They ran certain looks now on fake punts. They've already ran some certain coverages that Josh Allen is absolutely going to look at on film the next time they play. And they're going to now have to go to their second or third best coverages because they've already shown what they needed to show. Now it's really important to the Jets. They needed a win. They couldn't mess around with withholding any information or withholding their best coverages. But it's now on film in an early in, in, in a half of the first half of the year game. That's why the Bills were able to bounce back against New England last year. And they're able to bounce back in many situations because other teams are throwing their best, especially division games at them already to where now they're going to come to Buffalo and, and, and the Bills are going to know exactly what their number one play style is. And that's not come after him. The Bills are going to have stuff schemed up that I feel comfortable with. That's why I'm not concerned because ultimately the team has shown what they're going to do. They pull out all the stops, fake punt inside your own zone, even at the 45 is proving to me that you're treating that game very, very, very seriously. Not like other teams aren't. But in, in fairness, you're, you're showing what you're going to be doing early on in the season in hopes that you get any advantage. I think the Bills adjust and make all the proper adjustments going forward in terms of being able to counter that next time a little bit better. games by five points total. So the other teams are throwing everything at them, and the Bills are still having opportunities to win. To win games. These games are back in Buffalo. They're going to find a way to, to get Ws as long as Josh is okay, which – Probably something that we should address a little bit, uh, Kev, uh, regarding Allen. Obviously, a lot of speculation right now. But yeah, I mean, there's a ton of speculation on this, Mike. And you know, you we've, read, we've read things. We've heard things throughout different sources and different different situations. And it does, to me, look like some form of tear. Now, a tear equals a sprain. The decision is, is it a, is it a grade one, which is barely a week? Is it a grade two, which I've read is still not much longer? It's a week, maybe two. Um, similar to his rookie year game where I think they were a little bit conservative with him because they could be, and they could go game to game with Josh with a pain tolerance issue. If you win against Minnesota, you can maybe buy another game. If you then win against Cleveland, you can buy yourself another game against Detroit. I think you can go as long as he can go injury wise. However, maybe he can play through that. And if he can play through that, I really do think you see him against Minnesota. It's, I don't know that it's a, I don't know in what world that you would get a shot and they wouldn't be able to play and then that you'd be waiting 10 days, 12. It doesn't make a ton of sense. It's either something fairly long-term, um, something very short-term, um, or worst, worst-case scenario of, of, of year plus. I yeah. don't think there's this middle ground of three to six games. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because trying to sort through all the, the information that's kind of gotten out there, at first, I think there was legitimate concern. You see an injury happen like what happened on Sunday – and then knowing his prior history uh, as a rookie where he did miss close to a month, uh, you are concerned about the worst-case scenario. Is he going to be out for the rest of the season? And uh, luckily for the Bills, that appears to uh, not be the case. Uh, it's not going to be something that's going to knock him out for the season, thank God. But like you said, it, it seems like reading right now, the, the thought is that if Sunday was a Super Bowl, He'd be out there. He'd be playing. That he'd be able to do it. Uh, the the question is, with the Bills, they're normally very. They take the cautious side. They they normally like to um, uh, give players more more than enough time. So, are the Bills going to hold him out a game or two to uh, give him some time to recover, or is it something that? Um, they're not worried about the injury getting worse. It's a, it's, it's um, a pain tolerance thing. It's it, not, it, they're, they're not worried about it. Yeah, and if it's a pain tolerance like you said, then there could be a, a scenario where he plays uh, on Sunday against Minnesota. 
it's it's just gonna it's a lot of it is gonna be up to is Josh able to battle through it? Uh, like you said, we we don't know the particulars of it yet, and I still think tomorrow uh, on Wednesday we're still gonna get one of those. Right now, we're still processing the information. It's day to day. It'll be a game time decision. I don't think the Bills are gonna want to give up their cards before what's, before Sunday. Either way, and what's in- no, no reason to. What's interesting about the whole like NFC game topic is like, yeah, it's an NFC game. That's that's talk for a wild card team because with the first tiebreaker in in scenarios against other divisions when you're trying to get the four or the, or the five, the six or the seven now is AFC record. But is the first tiebreaker in the division, which is by far the bigger concern right now, by far. I'm not sure you're worrying about L.A., uh, I don't, I, I, it's just not the major concern for the bills. You're, you're thinking about common opponents, which is the first tiebreaker when you're one and one, which the bills are going to be now against the Jets, the dolphins, and you know, well, hopefully not the Patriots, but in, in two of the three division game scenarios, you're going to get into tiebreakers. The first tiebreaker is obviously division record. And there's a good chance that's the same. What's the next tiebreaker? It's, it's not the, AFC record. Well, that's if they're worried about having a tiebreaker with New York in Miami, sure. It granted, because granted, it, assuming Josh Allen is healthy, you're still expecting this Bills team to win anywhere from 12 to 15 games, most likely somewhere in that 13, 14 uh, range. Do we really see a New York Jets team getting to more than 10, 11 wins? I don't. Great defense. They don't have a consistent offense. Miami, maybe. Honestly, the Dolphins are are playing phenomenal right now. I, I think 13 might be beyond what Miami can get to, but I definitely think this Dolphins team could win 11, 11 games. Um, so I wouldn't be too worried about the tiebreakers right now, but that, that is a good point. It, it's going to be interesting. I, I know Vegas lines are uh, <laughs> probably a bad way to make uh, predictions for Sunday, but I, I was reading somewhere that the line – on Sunday after they lost to the Jets, went to seven and a half. A lot of them then took them offline, and then now it's around six. So if a Vegas line is around six at this point, that would indicate to me that they, they would assume that Josh Allen is playing on Sunday. So uh, we know the Bills are tight-lipped. Um, Going to be waiting for something uh, more substantial, but Ian Rappaport made it seem like the Bills are hopeful. Mike Garofalo, similar – a uh, similar uh, update from him today that the Bills seem optimistic it's a possibility. Um, no one's willing to go out on record and say he is or he isn't. So a, a lot of speculation. Which which is good. No news is good news. No news is always good news. Trust me, these guys, national guys, are very interested in this story. If an agent, another team, something leaked to him, some information, it would be out there. It's not something you can control like a trade deadline. Yeah. Um, it is something that would leak to the rest of, of the league. It's good. No news is good news on the front that there probably is some legitimate belief that he can rest and rehab and either be one to zero games of, of the season. As you look forward to the Vikings game though, Mike, we have to, you know, there is time we need to spend on the Vikings and what they've been able to do. albeit in one of the worst, somehow the worst division in football with green Bay, Detroit, Chicago, I've uh, been really poor. The Vikings might actually lock up this division and no one would have ever thought this like right after Thanksgiving. Uh, it's a, it's, it's a really bad uh, division. They've lost their only game to Dallas uh, really one of their only competitors. So there's, there's a lot to be said about some of the strength of schedules against uh, some of these NFC teams uh, specifically 
uh, in some of these conferences, uh, some of these divisions that they're not particularly, you know, racking up the victories, 387 winning percentage from the Vikings, the lowest in the NFC. Um, it's, they went down to the wire against Washington, uh, in a, in a one score victory for them. Uh, well, those one score victories correct themselves. They've won a couple in a row now against the Cardinals, the Dolphins, um, the bears, the saints, the lions in the first two games of the year where they went one and one, uh, where they lost, excuse me, they lost to the Eagles on the Cowboys where they went one and one, uh, were not one score games. So they won one against the Packers by multiple scores. They lost one against the Eagles by multiple scores. And every other game has been a one score victory, Mike. That's going to correct itself out a hundred percent. They've won uh, one, two, three, four, five, six straight one score games. That's impressive. They have uh, a DVOA of 18. So, well, that uh, proves the point. The advanced numbers are very down on this Minnesota team. They would say that they're actually a slightly below average team overall. Now, I'm not going to go that worse than the Jets. I I do respect uh, Minnesota overall because they are finding ways to win games. But as we said in the past, if Mm -hmm. we're not going to get go hard on a team when they have an 0 5 record in one score games, we're not going to be hyping up a team when they are winning all of their one score games because there is luck involved. This Minnesota team, to, in my opinion, they're more of a, a, a four and three, five and two type four and a, a four five one team than they are a seven win team at this point. But you know what? They do have some, some solid players. Kirk cousins is not the worst quarterback in the world. I've, I've always thought he's hyped too hyped by some people, but uh, too criticized by others. He's a good uh, 10 to 12 range quarterback in the league Dalvin Cook is obviously uh, dynamite in the backfield and Justin Jefferson uh, is one of the premier wide receivers in all football and that trade where uh, the Bills got Stephon Diggs Vikings got Justin Jefferson with the Bills first round pick and that's a trade that's worked out for both both teams very well so uh, it's really going to be interesting how things play out on Sunday and one thing I did want to bring up quick uh, before we get more into uh, this matchup uh, Kevin's alluded to it already. We're giving away tickets to an autograph signing featuring Taron Johnson and Tyler Bass this Saturday in Orchard Park. Uh, we're giving some of them away on social media, on Twitter, and uh, Kevin's also going to name some of them today. But uh, if you haven't already, find the Going Deep podcast, find Cover One on Twitter, and retweet, follow Going Deep podcast, follow TSE, uh, Buffalo and enter yourself uh, into the contest to possibly win uh, tickets to this autograph signing where you can bring an item, talk to Tyler Bass, Taron Johnson and get something signed. So really good partnership between us and uh, TSE Buffalo. It's something that we're really excited about. I'll be there on Saturday um, talking to uh, Johnson and uh, Bass and putting some uh, interviews together. So make sure to check that out and uh, give us a follow on going deep pod and also like us, on this YouTube page. It helps the algorithms, helps us get more viewers, increase the show. It's great for cover one. Eric, Greg, Aaron, Anthony, Kevin, myself, all of the guys greatly benefit from it. So hit the like button and also make sure to comment outside of the live chat helps us tremendously. If you're going to be in Buffalo um, or Orchard Park Saturday around 2 to 3 p.m., let me know in the chat. Love to give away live tickets right now. Someone that wants to meet and get an autograph from Taron Johnson, Tyler Bass, talk to them, be able to be in front of them with whatever piece of merchandise you might have um, for a combo ticket worth, you know, 80 bucks. 
hit me up, send us a chat. Would love to send somebody there for free in Orchard Park. If you are local to the Buffalo area, would like to get you in front of some players uh, and maybe have a chance to meet Mike as well. So go ahead and comment if that's something that you'd like to do um, as we'll kind of filter through those to get to um, some other, some other points we wanted to make today about this game against the Vikings. The next day after the signing is going to be a football game at one o'clock. It was not flexed. Could very well be flexed. Um, wasn't, it was, you know, we understand why. I mean, the bills have already had so many primetime games, they have, but they I gave the chargers back-to-back games um, on primetime in the next two weeks um, that I saw their game. The, the chargers game just got flexed. So a bad team without receivers, no Mike Williams, Keenan Allen's been disappearing uh, without his weapons. Justin Herbert looked very pedestrian middle of the league quarterback, which could be a good example of, is that an example of offense slash uh, receivers making a quarterback? I don't know. That's that's a pretty telling OBJ. experience. That's why OBJ is critical uh, going forward. I think in the beginning of the year, we were all uh, – it was a luxury. It was something where, oh, wouldn't it be great if the Bills could add Odell Beckham Jr. to uh, their cast of weapons. Now I think it's becoming a tremendous need. And now you got some um, reports coming out that he could be cleared as soon as the end of this week. I think the time is now to start – pursuing that and making it happen. Uh, OBJ is supposedly looking for a multi-year deal. Uh, Top competition now has shifted uh, for his services. Dallas is in the conversation. You hear Mike McCarthy, Jerry Jones talking him up. The Cowboys fan base is getting excited. They want him, but I think it's, it's that much more pivotal for the bills to make a move. If he's healthy and ready to go, uh, we we've seen the bills need someone that can go in the slot and make plays. And I think OBJ could be that guy. I know we're talking about mid-December, but I, I don't think you can make a move soon enough at this point with some of the other competition for services. And this is a move where if he's willing to sign a multi-year deal, I am totally cool with him making an impact on the Buffalo Bills going into next season as well. And DVOA update. Wanted to get into some DVO statistics here. So we're going to call this segment right now the DVOA up to the minute segment of the going deep podcast Baltimore fourth in the league 27.6% DVOA uh, the bills took a victory in Baltimore and that one the sixth DVOA teams uh, Kansas City at a 15.6% to the positive DVOA number bills took victory in uh, in Kansas City for that one the Jets are the eighth best team in the league so actually wow. uh, trending better than the Dolphins they have the eighth best or excuse me the 19th best offense but the sixth best defense and the ninth best special teams so uh, estimated 5.3 wins. So they're right on par to where they should be based on their metrics. And for anyone saying like we have blind confidence in the bills, we're using an analytical approach to prove that that's not true. So why that that's not true is they have the fourth best defense in the league, the sixth best offense in the league, the fifth best special teams in the league, seven estimated wins, which is um, one less than they actually have. The metrics would say they've been better than they have actually played. So there's no blind confidence in these statistics as the Bills are sitting at now dropping to number two in the DVOA metrics uh, with the ninth best uh, schedule that they've played in the league. It's now, everything, Kev. It's, yeah. it's the analytics. It's DVOA. It's Vegas. Like, this isn't just some Bills fan manufactured hype. They were one of the best teams in football last season heading into uh, the postseason, and they had a chance to win the Super Bowl. And they return a, an amazing roster. They add Von Miller to it. We're not irrationally hyping the Bills. It's the numbers show it. And when, and when you're freaking out about 
a three-point loss on the road to a team that's six and three, a divisional opponent, and your other loss was a two-point road loss on the road to a divisional opponent, both games where you're missing plenty of key uh, contributors. Okay, that, that kind of just goes to the point that the Bills are uh, an incredible team. And you're talking about wins where you win by 34 over the Tennessee Titans, a 5-3 and three team. You're beating the Pittsburgh Steelers by 35. This team warrants all of the hype that they get. And DVOA might be too complicated for fans or other teams' fan bases. It's not for Bills fans. However, they're third in passing yards, 13th in rushing yards, third for points for, and first against points uh, against. So if you're just a statistics box score guy, you got those working for you as well. Like you just mentioned the the point differential as well. The Bills have a higher point differential than like uh, teams like three through eight. The Bills have a more they have a better uh, point differential than all of them combined. So it isn't just a matter of like DVOA or some nerd statistic. It's all of it combined. It's not one specific factor of what makes the bills a potential Super Bowl candidate. And by far the most, the biggest chance of a Super Bowl is the Eagles bills and all all advanced metrics would point to that. The thing the bills haven't done is one at all. And that's, what's holding people back from saying truly how great they are, because we look at the nineties bills teams and we talk about the four straight Super Bowls. but you know what those teams, some of their advanced numbers don't even line up as well with the bills of the last couple of years and, and and that's the thing to this sometimes you get to the playoffs it's about luck it's about making a play here or there injuries weather home field uh, there's a lot of random things that go into it I don't think anybody would look at the Cincinnati Bengals from last year and say they're one of the top teams in football they're not they had a great run they could have won it all but there's a lot of teams that have won Super Bowls that have not been one of the top two three teams in football the LA Rams of last year being one of them the Rams right now are a mediocre team. And you know what? They weren't a great team last year either. But the Bills truly are. They just need to put it together in January and February when it matters and not make some of these crucial mistakes that we've seen in the playoffs the last, last three years. Two of the last three playoff losses have been games that the well, Bills have just quite simply have blown. Mike, if, uh, if we hit a field goal in the early 90s and it went through, that would be great for the franchise to have a Super Bowl. Would that affect this game today? Would that affect against the Vikings? Would that affect their odds in January? Absolutely not. Like it just, no. it just, it just doesn't matter if they'd won two of those four Super Bowls. It just, it just doesn't, it just doesn't matter. Um, yes, the 13 seconds does matter, and ideally, because it's the same teams that you'll be because it puts barely... on this squad because it's the same Correct. group of guys. But yeah, the the four Super Bowl losses, like people are always like, oh, does that like impact you? No, because it, these guys, most of them weren't even born. Let's say they won, Mike, if they won all four, people would still be throwing the same stuff that they throw at you now. You haven't done anything since the 90s. You wouldn't, You had a huge drought. You know, you weren't even born. And I was in, my, in this case. But, like, all of these things that they throw at you that they do anyways. Like, you know, it's stuff that as a Yankees fan, 27 victories. Like, they come up with stuff. You didn't win enough in this decade. You didn't win enough in this era. You didn't win enough with this player. It's, it's, they'll always come up with something like beside like what the Patriots were able to do and maybe are coming out of now beside that no other time in sports. And that's some of the best franchises ever. Are you not going to be able to point to like there being a gap of a large gap of, of, of problems. And you're going to always be able to say, well, you haven't won the last six years. You haven't won the last 27 years. Like it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. So a matter of this game and why I hold water to statistics now we got to talk about uh, Minnesota. So real quickly to wrap up my DVOA, 
They have the second best. The AFC East has the second, the eighth, the 12th, and the 13th best team. That's four teams in the top 13. Not even close to the best division in the AFC. The only other division that's good is the NFC East with, you know, you have Philadelphia at one. You have Dallas at three. You have uh, the Giants at 19, though. Uh, so they're playing above their means and Washington at 24. So DVOA would say those are very similar, although the record skews a little bit to the NFC side uh, for a couple more wins, not by many. The DVOA would point to the Bills and the AFC East somehow being the best division uh, in football based on DVOA and the strength of the entire division as your bottom team, New England 13th, isn't a pushover. You're going to have to scrape and grind to get two of those wins. And hopefully you don't split with them as well. Uh, and go to one and one in those situations. So there's going to be a lot on the table. Uh, and the, the the Patriots have the 25th best offense. You got to get it done in that situation. There shouldn't be a doubt of you got to uh, sweep them. You got to sweep them now at this point, especially uh, you can, you can't be swept. So four and two is where you need to be. The four division games have a lot of weight on them, but as we look forward to the Dolph or the uh, Vikings game this weekend, I do think NFC games matter because I don't think you're playing in a wild card scenario. And I do think with two division losses, you have to think about a scenario where Miami has a weaker schedule and they could be tied with you. Uh, there is a scenario that exists. If they keep winning, it's not that the bills are going to keep losing. It's that. Everroot dog supplements can help keep your dog feeling their best every day. Ever playful. Ever curious. Ever thriving. Visit everroot.com to learn about supplements that can help with your dog's unique needs. From multi-benefit to skin and coat to hip and joint. Because every dog deserves to feel their best. Everroot Dog Supplements. Powered by Purina. Israel is 5,690 miles away from the U.S. 11 hours by plane. Hate travels faster. In a comment. In a post. In a second. Jewish hate is up 388% in the U.S. Black hate, Muslim hate, and Asian hate are up too. When one hate rises, they all do. Let's stand up to all hate together. Share and wear the blue square from StandUpToJewishHate.org. The, the Dolphins have a fairly easy path it's to be there. It's very easy. <laughs> so to me, it's a matter of you have to think about it, and NFC games... The Rams game now is not created equal. That is a uh, not in common game with the rest of the division. That game's not important. However, what's really funny, and most people still don't realize this about playoffs, about tiebreakers, that the games that actually don't matter, you wouldn't want to hear about. It's Tennessee, it's Kansas City, and it's LA. None of those three games are in common with the rest of your division. Those three games are the three least important games when it comes to tiebreakers with your own division. I'm not worried about AFC tiebreakers within um, the AFC, once again, I'm not thinking about the seven seed. Um, the most most important tiebreaker in the whole situation is common opponents. Minnesota is a common opponent who has already taken out the Dolphins. Huge to get a victory there to trump them because they beat you straight up. The Bill, uh, the Dolphins have beat the Bills. Unfortunately, we have to live in a world where at best they're one and one, and they could have the same division record now with the Bills dropping to the, to the Jets. There is a world where both teams could be four and two in the division, one and one against each other, and maybe have the same record. You do have to think about it. So I but can't that's, just... but that's where, like I said, you win, you take care of business in your next game. Miami's. Do you think they're Mike? Do you think they're winning, winning out? Four losses at that point. How much do you think they're winning out? How much do you trust that Miami? If you take care of business against Miami at home, Miami's going to lose at least an, another game along the way. 
at that point, you're saying the Bills would have to be 12 and five to be tied with them. Uh, even in the scenario you beat Miami, uh, you're both 13 and four. If Miami wins a tiebreaker in that scenario, that's incredible for Miami that they even got to that point. I just don't see that happening um, over the course of the season. I, I think Miami's going to drop a game, uh, a game or two. And if anything, now that game Saturday, in, in my opinion, it's going to be Saturday night. That's going to be a huge game in Buffalo in December. And it was one of those flex games going into the year where it looked like it was possible uh, that could be put in prime time. You can almost circle it right now. Uh, Miami Buffalo. I don't know if it's Saturday the 18th or uh, the yeah, 17th, the 17th, because Christmas Eve the next Saturday. Um, that's going to be night primetime game uh, in Buffalo. And it's going to be a lot of fun. And that could be the game that ultimately decides if uh, how Buffalo's season is going to go forward with the division and uh, one seed and stuff like that. Yeah. So they have a 12, 18 to be determined with the dolphins uh, right now. Look at, uh, if you look at the other games that are up against it, uh, there's not anything that's going to match up to uh, bills and dolphins. If these teams continue putting wins together. Now that's a game they could actually put Saturday night football. No, that's what uh, I'm saying. That is yeah. going to be a Saturday night. Yeah. Okay. That's, like, I'm, I'm, that's not going to be a Sunday night football. That'll they be could, a Saturday though. night. They could, they, they could, could. It's already, it's, there's five games that they have to pick three to go on Saturday. Yeah, you're going to get a Saturday so night home. Gonna, game. Yeah. It's going to be the Saturday, uh, Saturday night game. Yeah. And, and, and that'll then, be fun. And then I don't, I don't know if it will matter. It could, but the, to end the season, um, like you could have a, a game that matters against new England now. Uh, uh, yeah, that's that, crazy to think one eight. Uh, if they're playing for a playoff berth, the bills are playing for whatever the division one seed, there could be a matter of of that game getting flexed on one eight. So uh, the one two game against the Bengals is already Monday night football. The twelve one game against the Patriots it's Thursday night football after the Thanksgiving game. The twelve eleven game against the Jets I mean has potential to do something with that if they want. So the Bills will have multiple flex games, which is why they couldn't touch this Vikings game. But I wanted to get to this point about the tie being more important with Kansas City, Tennessee, and Baltimore. You have that tiebreaker already. Um, those games are already completed. I'm talking about the schedule going forward to even get into those tiebreaker situations. You need to win your division to win your division. You need the common opponents tiebreaker. So if you slip up and you have two division losses, you need to get through the division. You don't even get to this tiebreaker with Tennessee, uh, Casey, Tennessee, or Baltimore without making sure you take care of business. And if they slip up against, we're all per saying that's how important where, that's where fans aren't, but you know, Kev, that's where fans aren't even thinking about that. So it's been presumed so long that you're fighting for the one seat. Fans aren't thinking about, Oh, could we potentially lose the the division and finish in second? Fans are already presuming presuming that the division is going to be ours. But as I you look at the Dolphins, they really are set up to to win double digit games. I don't think it's going to come into play, but I understand what, why you're but saying. But it's the importance of the Vikings game I'm trying to get at, which is the next game. Outside of it being the next game, what makes that important is that, okay, say it's the if you're going to drop a like because I've heard the comments, if you're going to drop a game, drop the NFC game, well, all of a sudden you're tied with Miami now. You're behind them. Um, so so this, this, this rhetoric of this game not being important because it's the NFC game is wrong. Be, and, and a matter of fact is Miami. Now, if we want to talk about Miami, because that's what seems to be, they got the Brown, like the Browns, the Texans, the 49ers, the chargers, that's the bills again, that's the yeah. stretch but that's it. The but bills and the Packers, the Miami is um, going to be eight and three heading into the late stretch of their season. Uh, and if they can pull out games against the 49ers or the chargers, that's when you start to get a little concerned. Not yet, but if they pull off some of those games that you wouldn't expect them to, that's when it get, gets concerning. 
One thing I do want to talk about today, yep. uh, I want to talk a little bit about this actual Vikings game, but not from the angle of Josh Allen's health. If he cannot play, what are you expecting from Case Keenum and what type of offense will the Bills uh, put forward if Case Keenum is indeed uh, the starter on Sunday? And do you think they still have uh, a chance of winning uh, against Minnesota? Because I, I do. I think regardless – of Josh or Case, this is a game that the Bills absolutely can win. Taylor Heineke and the the Commanders almost took down uh, the Vikings last week. I absolutely believe Case Keenum with Stephon Diggs uh, could take down Minnesota. And we have we have Stephon Diggs cryptically tweeting rejoice. So we'll have to see what what that in just a matter of moments. Just now, so, recently, yeah, just just now. So we'll have to yeah. see what that means in Bills land. Are we rejoicing because Josh is okay? Are we rejoicing because he's eating a delicious dinner or are we, re- are we rejoicing because he's got his buddy Odell Beckham Jr. coming? I don't know. We'll have to see what Stefan Diggs is rejoicing about, but he's always been a vocal Twitter user including getting himself traded via Twitter as Brandon Bean will even admit that. Did you um, hear what he said the other day? Uh, I don't know if it was recent. Um, I think he was on the Von cast the one day and he, he actually alluded to the fact that Remember when there was rumors during the trade deadline before the Bills acquired Stephon Diggs that they were interested in him? This was when all the Duffs reports were out where, oh, Stephon Diggs is at Duffs. The Bills are trying to trade for him. He And, and we know that the Bills were trying to, to – He admitted it to being player. true. Yeah. He, he admitted that he actually played a little bit of a role in why he didn't go to Buffalo at that point. He, he, didn't, he wasn't ready to make – to approve a move to the Bills – at that point, um, even when 2019, right. well, the 2019 deadline, yeah. and then at the conclusion of the season, obviously he saw how the bills were looking, how they had improved uh, with Josh Allen. And it was during the off season when he was like, when they reapproached him about the bills that he then decided, you know what? I'm cool with going to Buffalo. I approve that. I never, I, I don't know if that's known knowledge, but I, I was actually um, a little, I didn't, I didn't realize that. Uh, until recently, recently, and I thought that was very interesting. It is. It's an interesting news. Uh, it's an interesting nugget. And we that... know how Diggs is. He's going to want to eat this week, especially going up against Justin Jefferson. Well, that's Both that's a little bit where jo- <laughs> Josh has gotten himself into a little bit of trouble with feeding into that a little bit because Josh is, is a very team-oriented, emotional guy between the uh, Jair Alexander stuff and then between Sauce Gardner immediately in the first play for telling me that wasn't a thing. I'm just not going to believe you. Um, that he's he bought into some of that a little bit early on. Does he buy into the Vikings storyline? Case Keenum game too. Um, Minneapolis miracle reverse and the, uh, the Cook brother game. Like there are some, who, I never would have imagined before the year that this could be a storyline game, but it kind of is a little bit. It is a little bit. And you wouldn't think that the, the Vikings are 24th in rushing the ball. You wouldn't think that. Um, so you would think that they dominate on the ground. The Vikings do have some warts for being a seven and one team. They're not perfect. Uh, their offense is fairly good. They've definitely ran into some issues, um, but they've come through them. So that's, that's kind of what's been pretty interesting about that specific roster that I wouldn't say that they have uh, a dominating defense like they have in past. They're playing a lot of snaps for Shandon Sullivan, one of the worst rated cornerbacks in the league. Patrick Peterson is back to his original form. Cam Dantzler, a guy I liked out of college, has been pretty good. The safety play has been average. Harrison Smith's good. Uh, Bynum's been a liability. 
Uh, their linebacking core has been up and down with Hicks and Kendricks. And uh, their defensive line to me has not been great. Daniel Hunter is a really good player. Outside of that, you do have some um, some issues on the interior that, that you know, you have Harrison Phillips, James Lynch, Jonathan Bullard, a couple of guys there that um, can get it done. Dalvin Tomlinson's been pretty good. So, you know, the defense is solid. You know, there's nothing specifically there that I don't think is as good as the Jets. Uh, so it's just a matter of there are enough winnable matchups on this, this team and the def- the offense isn't quite as dominating as you would think for having Justin Jefferson. Uh, but KJ, our guy, KJ Osborne from Buffalo through Miami. Uh, there's been definitely some, it's a solid roster. One that they've, one of the biggest More things they've, than production is yes. what you're trying. To and say. one of the things they've been able to do like years past for the bills, stay healthy. I don't have a lot of inter- uh, injuries on this offense. Uh, I don't have any many injuries at all on this team besides Irv Smith. And they, what did they go out and do? Got TJ Hawkinson. They upgraded. So I don't see besides some depth players, Ty Chandler, BC Johnson, Lewis seen a guy they really liked outside of that. There's really not any injuries on this roster. Jalen Naylor has been hurt. Uh, a promising uh, looking rookie. Uh, Delvin Tomlinson has been out of the lineup, but that's it. Their offense has been very healthy. Their defense is literally just missing Delvin Tomlinson. Um, and I'm not sure what his projection is supposed to be on, on his return, but they've, this is what the bills model usually is, is stay healthy. Um, and, and the Vikings, why it matters. The Vikings have been able to do that. And like the Bengals teams in the past, you stay healthy, you keep players on the field. That's better than ability. Um, availability. A lot of times is what's better than ability. And the bills are going in now with Gregory Rousseau hurt. They're going in potentially playing Matt Milano, I'm going to assume. I think you see at home the rebirth of Trey White, at least in some form of action. I think this is when you need to suit him Do you up. match him up on Justin Jefferson, or do you keep no. him away? No, you don't. Yeah, you I, don't. I'm with you. I'm with you. But I've, the other I've side been is- hearing so many fans mentioning uh, this week, oh, he's going to get cooked by Justin Jefferson. I, I, if they're bringing him back. They're, they're easing him back. I don't think yeah. – but the other side matchups, not much easier in, in Adam Thielen. So yeah. it's not like he's getting some cakewalk backup receiver uh, like the Packers. He's getting a really good vet receiver who's not as dominant as he once was, but he's a fairly good receiver too. What's going to be interesting also in this game is uh, I was reading online on Twitter about Kirk Cousins is horrendous against a too high safety look. He, one, of the, he's terrible. One, of the, one of the worst quarterbacks in the league against too high. But there's some risk to playing too high when you're playing Minnesota when you have Delvin Cook in the backfield. And the Bills in recent weeks uh, had been playing too high over 50% of the snaps, but then against the Jets, uh, I believe that number went down under 20%. And obviously you have Jaquan Johnson in the game. You don't have Poyer, um, which makes a difference in, in a lot of regards. Going to be interesting to see how the Bills uh, defend yep. Minnesota on Sunday. Are we going to see Dean Marlowe get the start? I feel like Gosh, many fans so. are going to be clamoring for that. I, I'm going to. I'm going to assume that wasn't the case on Sunday because he was recently acquired um, and they wanted to show some faith in Jaquan Johnson. But uh, the, his angles, his pursuit, just it, it really did hurt the Bills in many facets. And a lot of people they don't look at uh, a safety's playing the run game, but it, it did have a negative impact on Sunday. Yeah, it sure did. And we can't sit here and say a savior is uh, Dean Marlowe, a guy that has been okay, knows the system, has struggled in the past, has been good, has been shown some flashes. He's older now. 
I would have liked to really see them attack the safety market. Brandon Bean said they called 10 different safeties. They, they settled on a, on a perceived to be lower valued because they only traded a seventh um, in Dean Marlowe. So I would have liked to have seen them reach out about a little higher end safety that does say to me, they like Hamlin. That does say to me that they also like, think that Poyer will return. We've heard it could be week to week. It could be longer. Poyer definitely seems to not be playing against the Vikings, which is an issue. Um, so, what, what is your reaction to all of that? Because I do find it very interesting how the Bills are addressing some of these injuries. Sometimes they're very transparent, and you know, before the week is even over, that so and so isn't playing or is going to be out for the game. And then you have other players where you have the general manager come out and say he's day to day, but in reality, he's probably going to be out much at least week to week, at least week to week. Jordan Poyer is one of those where I don't think we have gotten uh, a true sense of what the the situation is. Because Mike, it's so weird that you have one of your best defensive players and best offensive player going through similar scenarios with the elbow. Like, I don't think I've seen a real bills elbow injury ever. Um, That one that matters at least ever. And now you have one on each side of the ball. And those are tricky. Just enough from following, I'm a very heavy baseball fan. And it's not the same because Tommy John in baseball is 18 months. It's you're done. You're done, done. Um, it's not the same uh, in football if you even need it because it's from a repetition and a safety, quite frankly, doesn't throw the ball ever. There's no repetition there needed. You can play through it with a club as long as the pain tolerance is there. Does the team want Jordan to play through it? I don't know. I don't know how that, that seems. Does Jordan want to play through it? He has a free agent that's, coming up with a big deal. I have so, no idea. There's so many um, different factors to this. You have, can he play through it, first of all? Number two, if he can, is it a pain tolerance issue or is it something that can get worse? Uh, probably more of a pain tolerance thing from what mm-hmm. I've been hearing people say, at least. Yep. So then you factor in, well, he, he's not an under contract beyond this year. And you have free agency after the season. I 100% believe if Jordan Poyer can play through this, that he will gut it out and do put his heart out on uh, the line for this team. Um, that's my belief because guys like Poyer, guys like Hyde, they've invested too much time, too much buildup for this year. Uh, to, for a chance to win a Super Bowl. And I don't think that Poyer uh, will want to give that up. So if he misses it, I, I'm truly going to believe it's because he he couldn't go. But then you do have to sometimes factor in, um, is there anything that could impact his contract status with free agency next year? Obviously, he doesn't want to put himself in a situation where he's going to cost himself money. And uh, the last real chance for cashing out when he really hasn't had that opportunity in the NFL um not many players of his caliber had to wait until their up mid upper 20s to get to that elite level and it's kind of hurt him from a financial standpoint I know it's crazy when you're talking about a guy making 10 million plus a year but many players that are similar to Porter would have cashed in that big contract by now right and you know uh does he need to make business decisions for himself and his family? He should be thinking about business decisions. It just, it is what Mike, I do, you do. It just kind of is what it is to be thinking about business decisions and, and what's right. I think that playing and playing well is a key thing for him and doing that against 
key opponents for the Bills would up his value, not hurt it. Now, if he doesn't think he can come back and be effective, he shouldn't be playing anyways. That's Seriously, he like, shouldn't be playing anyways. And that and that's the key point right there. So it's you, you said it even better than I did earlier. It's not even necessarily can he play through it. Can he play well he and yeah. up to the level he feels he needs to uh, for the Bills to win? If he is out there but is going to be a detriment or a downgrade from a Dean Marlowe or Jaquan Johnson, then obviously there's no point throwing him out there. But if he believes he can be out there, the pain is manageable, and that he can still play at a level that will help this Bills defense play uh, a high caliber of football, then absolutely I expect him to be out there. In the future, whenever that is. And nerves, this would be a popping of a joint and or muscle. Like generally you hear like an ACL pop, uh, you know, an Achilles can pop. You can actually literally see the Achilles jiggle um, if you have a, an Achilles injury. So to me, it, it could be a sign of some form of, uh, of strain on his, on his elbow, a tear uh, that could require some form of surgery, off-season surgery for sure, if, if that's what it was. Being a lot shorter of a rehab for safety than a quarterback and then of a pitcher. Yeah. So, so to me, I think you Poyer see... right now, correct? Yeah. Poyer. Yeah, yeah. The, our understanding with Poyer is it obviously being said day to day, a lot of fans are, thinking I mean, it's at least he week could week. be back soon. I am under the impression from what I've have been told or what I've been just talking to people about that. It's not something he's going to be back this week. Most likely. Like I, I, I'm assuming Poyer is going to miss some time. We'll see. I, without knowing a hundred percent, I, I don't think it's going to be something that you'll see him on the field on on Sunday. I don't have any inside information, but you don't go from not practicing at all last week to suddenly now, Mike, oh, you're good Mike, to go. Like there's there is something going on. What's interesting is Trey White, though. Like I think he had a full workout now a couple of times. He had the buy. At some point, it kind of reminds me of the Ronnie Stanley situation, not quite as long yet, where you need to feel mentally, and even Bean said this, it's not a physical, you need to feel mentally ready to go. You're paying him a lot of money. At some point, if he's cleared, I'd like to see him play, period. Right, yeah. Yeah. At some point, if he's cleared physically. Well, you have to wonder, is it a mental thing at this point? Well, it is. Like I just said, that's what Bean said. Yeah. Um, Is it a mental thing? And just like with Ronnie Stanley, who like sat out many extra weeks, um, you know, was waiting for the no weather game when the, when the bills played the, the Ravens and it was that rainy game, he ended up sitting out. He didn't feel comfortable, not on turf. Does, you know, the bills have had some, you know, just as recently as a uh, green based linebacker. Um, That's commenting. a little bit of a concern. If, if he's going through mental where like it's mentally um, impact him, that could be, that's definitely a little bit of a concern because then you won't ever trust it until you're put in game situations but if you're going to be thinking about during the game, that's when you're going to be vulnerable at times. Right. And you're, he's eventually going to have to get past that, that issue. And thank Absolutely. you, Silas. Uh, definitely appreciate uh, the super chat contribution, right? Yes, Silas. I, I do. I do believe that they'll consider it because it's, it's a position that they could use some depth that you just watched one of the worst performances ever by one of their starting safeties. Who's ranked. If you care about PFF toward the bottom of the list, so is Abram himself. Um, what's interesting is do they buy the potential you're sitting on a guy that you've had in the system in Jaquan Johnson for a while, who you would think that would have been a little bit more prepared than he was. Now he was prepared. Maybe he's got some physical limitations in terms of his, his ability, but one place that that makes up is Raz. And I'm glad you brought that up. Could the bills bring somebody in on Raz alone? That doesn't require additional compensation. I don't think it's crazy. Now his film doesn't look good, Mike. 
um, by, yeah, by all it, accounts. I don't love the fit personally. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think it's going to be a, a, a guy the Bills will look to add. Obviously, quality name, uh, decent prospect coming out of college. It was a pretty poor run with the Raiders. They, they were trying to trade him before releasing him um, to not even get a low-round pick yeah. uh, for him in return. Kind of gives you, gives you an indication of where his market is right now. Israel is 5,690 miles away from the U.S., 11 hours by plane. Hate travels faster in a comment, in a post, in a second. Jewish hate is up 388% in the U.S. Black hate, Muslim hate, and Asian hate are up too. When one hate rises, they all do. Let's stand up to all hate together. Share and wear the blue square from StandUpToJewishHate.org. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yes, he's a, a player that you could plug in quickly. I just don't know if that's exactly a fit right now for, for this Bills team, even with uh, their issues at and season. you'd have to acquire his you know he's he's on a he's on an expiring deal you'd have to acquire about a million out of his two million base salary the bills would probably and this is nickel diming but they'd probably be more interested in 500k i mean it matters to this bills team so it's not outlandish if Poyer's long term and you do have a talent with a raz score like this who has played and started games in the nfl at this stage in november we're not evaluating him against the rest of the draft class next year. We're not evaluating against an entire free agent class. Could he be someone that comes in and at least can take an active roster spot? It's not out. It really is not outlandish at a position to where the bills could use. I mean, literally their next player in right now is Cam Lewis, a converted safety, a corner to safety. So I don't think that that's crazy because you're not just comparing him to Jaquan Johnson. Um, you're also comparing him to the rest of the roster. So I, I, I don't, I don't think that it's crazy to add depth and to see what he might be able to do with that total his ability, explosiveness, his, his RAS score was high. I just think that it's within the realm of possibilities at 500 K for the rest of the year. I don't, I, to me, that's not in no compensation needed. It's not enough to sit here and say, no, absolutely not. I think the bills are always looking to get better. And if he's, even if, even if it's a guy that's a speculative ad for a team that could fl- quite frankly use better safety play. Um, I don't think that it's crazy to bring in a guy that had a seven or above RAS score like he did ran a four four forty two uh two six twenty one five six ten um I don't think it's crazy to say maybe we could do especially the the ghost whisperer of defensive backs in McDermott and 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 Frazier. I don't think it's crazy to say like we could come up and and make a move on a, on a, on a potentially first round safety. It's not out of the question. Film hasn't been good. A lot of people are saying it wouldn't even be an upgrade to Jaquan Johnson. So to, to me, I, I I don't hate the the opportunity to try to upgrade at a place where you just saw affect a football game last week at safety, even if he's not sometimes maybe trying someone else other than Jaquan Johnson's the stronger move. Cause you always have Jaquan Johnson. If for some reason uh, you need to go to him in the middle of the game, which you're in desperate needs, if that's the case, but uh, we'll see what Dean Marlowe is able to do. And I anticipate him starting. I don't know how you trot out 
uh, Jaquan Johnson after a, a really poor game. And they, by all accounts, were running to his side. They were finding him in coverage. They were, we're looking for him to run. Jaquan Johnson games. He was on the field. The team's one and two without Poyer. Um, I, I, I think you see, I think you see Abram. You don't want to, you don't want to overly simplify and say the Bills lose because Jaquan Johnson's on the field. Right. But you look at some of the issues that they dealt with when Jaquan Johnson was in the game, and you can say not having Poyer in the game makes a significant impact in the drop off from Poyer to Jaquan Johnson can have a huge impact on, on the Bills defense as overall, not, not just a pass game, but run game in, in every, every aspect. Yeah. And what's interesting about the UCL, it's usually a repetition injury, not like the, the twist, crazy twist that you see from an ACL. It's a repetition. Pitchers can pitch sometimes without it. Eventually it totally rare tears and your velocity goes down. Might not be something you care about as a safety or as a quarterback, um, you know, how much, you know, a tick in velocity and spin rate matter in baseball that you need to go get the surgery. Does it matter for two months in football for safety? No. Does it matter for a quarterback? Maybe a little. And that's probably what they have to weigh. If it's serious, I still think it's a little milder than a complete tear total reconstruction. I still think that there's some rest and some rehab that can be done um, um, and it'd be a little bit more conservative approach than needing surgery right now. Uh, and I think when it comes to Poyer, he's, kind of saying I could get my elbow totally fixed and ready for, for free agency potentially, or I could play the rest of the year, accumulate some stats, maybe go and win and then cash out. So he's got to weigh all that. And at the same time, beans weighing like, Hey, am I going to resign this player? Maybe this goes into that with the negotiations. Like, Hey, we really need you. Um, you know, I, th- there's just so much out of my, um, out of my, uh, control. So out of our knowledge base, like how deep do these conversations go down to being saying like, if you play, we'll sign you. Like, you don't know what kind of stuff's being said. A lot of speculation, um, a lot to right, factor in. And right. like you said, the contract plays a role as well. And that's the unfortunate part is this Bill's team now is going to be forced to make tough decisions going forward. And when you're trying to bring back guys like Tremaine Edmonds, Ed Oliver, guys that are in their early mid twenties that are, going to be playing the prime of their careers going forward. Uh, do you have enough money to, right. to bring, to re-sign uh, a safety that is on the wrong side of 30 and you don't know how many elite years he has left. Obviously right now, Jordan Poyer is still playing elite level football, the best football of his career, uh, mm-hmm. just like last year. But when general managers are trying to uh, make these deals, they're not trying to, pay for previous success they're trying to pay for future uh, success and when they might calculate a little bit of a slip for uh, decrease in pay you can understand why you'd have a disagreement in negotiations with Poyer and Brandon B and the theory is especially in a high velocity sport or a high repetition sport that normally after reconstruction surgery it is stronger um, uh, you can throw a tick up in velocity. Uh, generally it's not a repeating injury, something that gets hurt again, like an ACL. So there is a lot of benefits to surgery compared to other surgeries. And that's why it got so popular within, within certain sports to, to, to do, um, and to actually, uh, benefit from the surgery. I don't know the benefit to a safety in instance. I'm not even sure the benefit to a primetime quarterback missing time is more, more of a negative than a benefit. Uh, that you get coming back off of that. Sometimes the guys that get Tommy John are on guys that are making 500 K a year 
on an arbitration deal that can sit out for 18 months because it doesn't matter. That's when you see it the most and or situations where it needs to happen. So that's not the case here. The, the quarterback's trying to win a Super Bowl. The benefit of getting it is not great. I don't think there's any benefit to the safety getting it right now. So we'll have to see how this plays out in double elbow situation. I didn't even know that we talked about one elbow, uh, but a double elbow uh, going on here. And I guess Josh kind of had it from 2018, Mike. So repetition could be an issue um, since he took the hit from Whitney Merciless and what, and what McDermott called a cheap shot back in 2018. And you're talking about the two biggest injuries of Josh Allen's career so far. Both elbows. Um, and But Mike, both in, in the pocket. In the pocket, uh, throwing the ball. And so a lot of lots been talked about about Josh, Yeah, Josh says it all the time. He's not afraid of taking some contact. And yes, when you're running, you're vulnerable. But running backs carry the ball 200 plus times a year, and you can protect yourself running you, the ball. You can if the good runners with the football know how to protect themselves Very to much avoid so. uh, getting seriously injured. You, yeah, you initiate the contact yeah. now as running yeah. back. Like uh, concussions are different. Sure, concussion. Something could happen on a concussion front. But as far as your ligaments, joints, a lot of the times you can protect yourself uh, in running the football. You can run out of bounds. You control the narrative when you have the ball in your hands. You don't control the narrative in the pocket when David Quesenberry, who has looked good at times, gets absolutely annihilated. And, and, and Allen has, has such a big frame, too, that it's different trying to tackle him compared to uh, a, a smaller quarterback or – I'm not saying RG3 is smaller. Some of these other guys are, are small, but some of these previous running quarterbacks were more vulnerable uh, to mm-hmm. some of these big hits and injuries. And everybody talks about how Cam Newton, I, sorry if I butchered his last name there, just fell off a cliff in his uh, in his early 30s. But the big difference between Josh Allen and Cam was that Cam needed his athleticism to be a successful NFL quarterback. He had a rocket arm but he did not have accuracy. And he, when he didn't have his accuracy going and uh, his arm going, it could be ugly at times with, with Cam. Josh, I feel like if it ever gets to the point where he needs to become more of a pocket-based quarterback later in his career, I feel confident that he can do that with the uh, exception of a run here or there. And then thank you once again, Silas, uh, for the, the super chat. Um, good point, Kev. Kyrie Ilum, there is a ton of potential, but it is uh, some growing pains associated with him as well. Uh, I don't think it's time to panic or be extremely worried, but you put a rookie corner on the field, they're going to get burnt once in a while. And Garrett Wilson, he's a he's a pretty uh, good talent for the Jets. So you're gonna you're gonna expect. Elam that wins some of his battles, but he's also going to lose some too. Yeah. And he struggled. He won the job back after. So he's won the job back in week four and week five uh, after losing the job to Benford, a sixth round rookie from an FCS school. Um, so we'll call it what it is. Um, Benford was more ready in certain, in certain situations. Um, Elam has shown a better ability in zone per the film, which has been good because we thought he was a man to man corner, but he's been better in zone than, than one's led to believe, but he had a tough day. Um, he had a tough day all around, uh, it just, just to be fair, you know, he came in and out of the lineup a little bit, only played 27 snaps, uh, in week nine. So there's definitely some rotating there going on to kind of mix and match. And the bills had a lot of run blitzes. So these guys were out on the islands. They were playing more man. Where, where did we say he might've might struggle in man, uh, in, in zone situations to where he doesn't have help 
He doesn't have a safety play behind him. So he's struggling without, without all pro safeties. Um, that's, that's to be, you can't take as many risks. Uh, that's to be expected uh, out, out of Elam. But you do like what you can see from him. So far, he's shown the propensity to at least be a coachable cornerback too, which is all they need him to be, Trey Sign long-term. Um, Dane Jackson's been pretty good. Taron Johnson's been good in the slot. Um, Taron Johnson didn't have the world's best day either. He got banged up. Um, you know, Taron's shown the ability to get beat at times. Really great run defender, uh, as we know from Taron. Uh, and ability to make plays has been strong. So just a matter of all the cornerbacks are going to get beat. They're going to get beat when, they're, when their safety play's been poor. They're going to get beat in situations to where people aren't tackling in front of them. So there's a multitude of situations that go involved with the, with the DB situation and only gets better. So now you put Trey on the field. Dane Jackson probably going to hold his job. Taron Johnson's not going to go anywhere. Not sure exactly what, you know, what you're going to do. If you're going to sub out Dane Jackson, I'm not exactly sure what you're going to do with Kyrie and Benford. The DB room becomes deep. If and when you get Poyer back to start at safety, you know, it gets even better. Um, so it's going to be an interesting scenario down the road. Do they now let Elam step back and sub in in situations, go in when the leads are big, go in uh, in certain packages, playing man coverage, not as much stressful down situations to where early in games or even late in games, he needs to play with run blitzes going on that don't get home. So uh, that's, those are the situations you're going to monitor with Kyrie Elam and Benford as well. And that is in just as much. So with, uh, with Terrell Bernard, another rookie who by all counts that the run stops that I've seen were strong. He looked pretty good. Um, I, I don't have any long-term worries for him being, being a linebacker three. Um, as well as Matt Milano coming back, he can go back to his rightful place watching and diagnosing as well. So I think all in all, this, the, the, the rookie class has been pretty good. Um, I'd like to see a little bit more Shakir. I think he's earned it, especially if you don't make a move on Odell Beckham Jr. I'd like to see a little bit more of co- uh, incorporation with, uh, with Khalil Shakir uh, in this offense. And I think that all around that they've all shown um, an ability of, of long-term potential and uh, yeah, Taron being probably one of the most veteran tenured players on the roster in general, especially defensively, especially when you're missing Milano, you're missing Poyer and Hyde, um, you're missing Trey. He does start to step up to be a pretty heady player. And what did the Jets do, Mike? The second he missed one play, they went right after awful defensive player, Saran Neal, who's another special teamer who just got absolutely annihilated. Even, even Zach Wilson diagnosed that. I have Garrett Wilson against Saran Neal in the slot uh, right up the seam uh, for a big play and a drive where the Bills looked like they could have some potential to get him off the field. Saran Neal, it just continues to be useful, I guess, in the Travis Kelsey package in certain situations to where he's just being physical and mugging people and getting seven flags in a game, which is that if that's what we want, fine. That's He's useful at that. Um, but he's not in useful situations to where he needs to to think and react and play good coverage. So smarter, smaller, faster receivers um, are going to beat Saran Neal. And I thought he got a little bit overpaid for a special teams corner that's never going to see the field. Um, so, yeah, you saw it right away. Taron Johnson went off the field. They attacked him in a big situation um, right away. So, Mike, that was an action-packed show. We're talking about injuries. we got a Sabres game going on. we got Ohio. Mike's probably like Jones in. He's probably <laughs> biting his fingers. He's probably like – uh, two one uh, Arizona is not going to be a good score here for uh, that's the change. The Hogan tied a uh, little bit nervous right now. Mike, but, nervous times in Mike Buntland. You know, um, I, I can only handle so much uh, disappointment in a short period of time. Yeah. If, if 
I get an Ohio loss and a Sabres loss tonight matched with Ohio basketball loss yesterday and the Bills mm-hmm. loss on Sunday and then the Josh Allen <laughs> injury anxiety. Oh, oh, Mike, all we can hope is good news with the Josh like, Allen injury. Um, I, I need some good news in, in my life with uh, my sports. I think we're going to get good news with Milano. I think we're going to get some good news with Trey. I think we're going to get some good news with, with Josh. Um, all we can do is is um, – is continue to to hope for the good news as a big game against the Vikings coming up here. We'll see. It's tough to tough to totally predict, Mike, but it's prediction hey, time. We, we've got to make those picks. We got to make. Mike, those we'll picks. Bo- well, Mike, we'll bounce it over to you to give us your prediction um, as we can get I make ready for the. Pick, can I make two picks? One with John, one without. Fine, two quick picks um, okay. as we make way for the Cover One film room with, uh, right. with if, Eric if Turner. Josh is healthy. Bills thirty twenty four. If it's Case Keenum time, I'll say Bills 2017. I like that. And look at what, what Heineke was able to do against totally the Vikings. different games, though. If Josh is in there, I think the Bills offense is going to click. I think they're going uh, mm-hmm. to – I trust that the Bills are only going to put him out there if they feel confident that he can be himself out there. So if Josh is playing, I, I do think it's going to be a rebound game for the Bills offense. If not, I think it's going to be more of a conservative approach. Uh, you, you focus on the run game a little bit more, uh, quick passes um, to the outside, uh, let uh, get Heinz involved a little bit, let your defense take care of business. Silas, once again, you're, you're spoiling us right now. We really do appreciate it. Thank you very much to you. And then anybody watching, remember, like button. Hit that like button. Uh, big help to us. And I agree with you, Silas. I've been pretty vocal about the Bills special teams players. Um, I think that they get a little bit eager with Saran Neal. Um, If you're referring to Jaquan Johnson, I agree. Uh, They both are special teamers who are good in their special teams roles. Uh, We pay them to be special teamers. In Neal's case, Johnson's going to get a second contract. Don't hate them on the roster. I think they they present some opportunities, but they are liabilities when they got on the field. At least, I guess... As a non-Saran Neal fan, I guess Neal has a package, this this Kelsey package, um, that half works fine. I guess that's got some use to it. I haven't found that yet with Jaquan Johnson to be able to come in. Hamlin just completely took his job and any ability. They were going to pick the best safety out of the two, regardless of strong safety, free safety. Hamlin won that outright, and he's just been better. Uh, So that's good to see. But I couldn't agree with you more. I am in the camp of I am willing to give first-round picks a chance, especially as your 53rd man on the roster. I'm not bringing in Abram to be a world beater, to be the number one player on the defense. He comes into a situation not in Las Vegas. Interesting timing to cut him, by the way. Um, uh, you would think he would just play it out, but that's interesting that I guess for doing right by the player to go find another roster. I don't know. It's weird, weird timing. Um, but I do think that, if the opportunity presented itself, the guy would take a minimum deal for the rest of the year. I don't think it's crazy that the bills would consider taking a look at a guy that was a first round pick with a Raz mm-hmm. at a position that could have some injuries. So I don't think that that's nuts that they see what they can get from them um, for half a season. It's not, it's not the end of the world because the alternative being Jaquan Johnson makes it more likely. So Mike, with all that being said, and I, I agree, Hamlin has shined so far. He's been a good depth piece. At least he's shown to be a guy you want behind your starting safeties. So that's exciting. Will that put pressure on the Jordan Poyer deal? I'm not really sure. It's time for me to make my pick, though. I got 23 to 16 Buffalo uh, in either situation. I think there'll be different game plans. I'm going to make one pick. I am making the pick with in Case Keenum in mind. 
Um, so I'm going to make the pick. Like I think that Case Keenum plays at least on a one week basis. I think the Bills run the ball pretty good. I think you saw the ability for uh, Tyler Heineke to 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 really expose some of the Vikings game plan. They put a good game plan on film. I think the Bills scheme is going to do enough to take away Justin Jefferson um, as it generally does. Two high safeties. Bills are very good at it. Kirk Cousins struggles at it. Would be a huge, huge game to have Jordan Poyer uh, more than other games. Um, it could be a 2019 look for the Bills um, if Case Keenum is the starter. Uh, yeah. A game where you rely on your defense, you run the ball, get max involved, game to the the fourth quarter, and then you just trust. Uh, your players to make plays when it matters the Trust most. Trust your defense of being fairly full healthy. Uh, hopefully you see Trey White and Matt Milano in this. The game tightens up a lot with those two playing. And that's, um, and, and that's why you brought in Case Keenum. Like, let, let's be real. The, you got to win a game, yeah. Yeah, you didn't bring in Case Keenum to run the Bills offense the way Josh Allen does. You brought him in because you know that Short, in a spot, passes. He, he's a veteran. He he can run the offense. Uh, he hopefully won't make any critical errors and be a game manager. This is a quarterback that's won a playoff game before. He's had, uh, I believe he was a pro bowler when he was with Minnesota uh, his one year or something close to it. But uh, uh, he's, he's not going to be spectacular, but you can, you can win games with Case Keenum. And the snow flying on Sunday, Dome team coming into Buffalo. Uh, we might see our first real home field advantage situation here in Buffalo. So, woof, Mike, an action-packed 90-minute edition of the Going Deep podcast on a great Tuesday, November 8th. We really appreciate everybody coming in uh, and watching this edition live for all of our podcast listeners. Please five stars on Apple Podcasts on Spotify. That means the world to us. Like and comment here below. We'll be right back at you recapping the Vikings game, talking about Jacoby Brissett and the Browns next week. Will we have a Browns guest? I think I have a good one on store for us next week here uh, for a Browns crossover edition uh, for another home game where the Bills finally get four out of six at home coming up in a much needed stretch of only having three home games through week 10, which is egregious, but from the going deep podcast, the cover one podcast network, we got the film room coming up in 30 minutes with Eric, Anthony uh, and Kendall. Uh, so much great uh, stuff coming through. Follow us for any breaking Josh Allen news. We'll try to bring you whatever we can uh, on any news that we hear around the league or what we're hearing on Josh Allen and, or from our banged up bills and other injury guests across uh, bills land, Kevin, Mike, We'll be back at you right here tomorrow or next Tuesday, excuse me, at seven o'clock right here on YouTube. Please comment and and please retweet for a chance again to win um, two tickets to some to meet Taryn Johnson this Saturday at two o'clock, as well as Tyler Bass. We'll be picking some winners here shortly. So we'll all catch you guys right here on the Cover One Podcast Network next week. Josh Allen looking deep, going deep. me talking about the build what else would you rather be doing we're hoping to add a, a new dimension to the cover one network right now i just want to talk about this championship level i've never had a championship caliber team to talk about i want to focus so more on the storylines each week what are the big stories going on with the bills what are uh thoughts commentary how do these things impact buffalo deep drop
Israel is 5,690 miles away from the U.S., 11 hours by plane. Hate travels faster, in a comment, in a post, in a second. Jewish hate is up 388% in the U.S. Black hate, Muslim hate, and Asian hate are up too. When one hate rises, they all do. Let's stand up to all hate together. Share and wear the blue square from StandUpToJewishHate.org. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.